Um, this morning, I want to continue to talk to you about this, this subject we've been talking about for four weeks previous now, five-week series, all about our growth track. And um, just to kind of break it down and, and pull it back for you guys, some of you guys who maybe haven't been here during it, let me give you just a, an idea of what this is. Um, we believe that, that everybody basically moves through a process in their faith, that at the beginning... It, your, your faith might be just kind of shallow, and it, not shallow in a bad way, but I mean just very, very um, low in depth, and you just understand just a very little. But as you grow, that there's a reason. You continue to grow and grow and grow, and as you do, God gives you more and more, reveals more to you, and, and there's a reason why he's taking you through this. And we see it in the Bible. That was um, the thing I, I keep trying to pull back to you guys during this, this entire series is the idea that all of this comes from a, a very Jesus concept that he did, that while he was here on earth, it was really obvious that he would take these men who he's with and he would walk them through a process in order to grow them in their faith. And how we do that at Acts Church is what we call our growth track. And that's what I've been talking about is this growth track that you can get plugged into where you can go from basically just a church attender, someone who shows up, or someone who is part of our groups or kindness events, to a place where then you are a church contributor and you're following uh, a vision for your life, basically. It's an opportunity for you to become intentional about your faith here at Acts, to step into something and to walk through it in order to encourage your relationship with Jesus. So our growth track that we've been talking about is this. It's that every person is loved, saved, educated, trusted, and released. So we are on week five. So if you come here and this is your very first week and you're like, I'm showing up at week five, you should go back and you should watch the messages before this because they all kind of stand on top of each other. Hopefully this message still won't be like, well, I can't understand that. That's not the case. I think you'll be able to get what I'm saying. But going through the process is where we see the beauty of it, of what Jesus did as he walked people through this, the, these steps. Um, all of them, of course, are online if you want to, to do that. Um, and, and as Jesus did this, as he walked through his life, he did this with all of his disciples. And today, that's what I want to show you. Is I'm going to show you how Jesus did it. I want to then show you how it's important for um, us as a church, how we want to do it as well. So there's really just, in this, I want to show you two big things that Jesus did while he was here, um, and then pare those down to, obviously, how we do ministry. When Jesus was here, he walked closely with 12 men. Then he had a whole, a whole other crowd of people who were who were followers. Um, you might almost call them like disciples. There are people who are following and learning from. But he had this 12 that you specifically see a lot of contact with. And as most of you know, as he walked through these, um, these, these steps with these men, which I talked about, he taught them about who he was. He educated them about the things of God. He even took them to a place where then he began to trust them with his word, where he would give them responsibility. They would go and actually preach the word without him and then come back and talk to him about what happened. But as he nears the end of his life, um, we see him take these men to, a, to yet another step. Um, as most of you would know the story, Jesus actually, of course, was murdered at the end of his life, uh, murdered on a cross. And that story is the, the miraculous story of um, our salvation, our removal of our sin, that Jesus went to the cross to pay for our sins, that when he did, he carried the debt of all of our sin. He paid for it, that he beat death and rose from the grave three days later, which sparked this amazing thing. So what's cool about this is, is this step, all of the other ones take place before Jesus died in his life. And now, on the backside of his death, upon death and resurrection, we see him take these disciples to this, this last step in the process um, that he showed them. 
I want to read um, Matthew 28, 18 through 20 to, to start talking to you about this. And this is what it says. This is after his death, when he had resurrected, came back to meet the disciples. So you've got to put it in context of when he's speaking to these men. And he says this, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you, and be sure of this. I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. And we see basically this exact same story um, told from different perspectives in all four of the Gospels. So the four Gospels written about Jesus' life, every one of them clearly ends with the fact of Jesus coming. And in one way or another, he basically says, therefore, go or take what you know, begin to move, spread. But all of them culminate with this idea that he was giving them an action, basically. He was giving them, this is what's next. There's a step for you to take that I think, you know, maybe some people were thinking this was the end. And he says, now there's another step for you guys to take in your faith now in reaction to this. Verse 19 in Matthew 28, that's why I specifically picked that, is very, very clear. Therefore, go, was his reaction. To everything that had happened, therefore, go. And what he was doing is he was pushing them into this last step. It was kind of like this, this pep talk, right? As he was pushing them forward saying, now this is the last step for you. And basically what I pare it down to is this, is that Jesus was saying, the training wheels are coming off. The training wheels are coming off. Now, how many people have kids? Real quick, yes? Okay, so you guys know this, right? Or maybe if you have a baby, you don't know it yet, but you will. And you get a kid, and then you finally get them that great first bike, right? Of course, what do you put on it? You put on training wheels. And those training wheels are these things that keep us from, from tipping over. Man, you still pedal the bike, you still use the brakes, you still do all that. But the training wheels keep you from, from, from tipping over. They keep you from, from falling. When you lose your balance or you don't quite have it perfect, the training wheels are always there to catch you one way or another. But there comes that epic moment in every child's life where then mom or dad says, now it's time to take the training wheels off. It's time to take the training wheels off. And all of a sudden, this bike that always had these, these guardrails, you finally say, you, you got this. Now you got this. You're going to pedal this bike. You're going to be responsible for balancing it. You're going to be the one who keeps track of this. And you can do it. And it's this amazing moment where then, of course, the, the training wheels come off. And very, very often, of course, mom or dad will be right there behind them, holding onto the back of the seat, trying to steady them and get them ready. After they get going, then there comes this, this moment, this beautiful moment in which mom or dad releases that seat and the child pedals that bike for the very first time by themselves and say now you got this the training wheels are off you got this now of course invariably they fall down and they skin their knees (laughs) they get back up and they they try it again but Jesus was communicating to these men that you've done your, your time. You, you, you've learned. You've, you've gained that knowledge of who I am, right? You've done your education. I've trusted you. I've given you these opportunities, and you've proven yourself faithful. And he's saying, now, man, the, the training wheels are coming off. The training wheels are coming off. I'm leaving and going back to heaven. Now I'm saying, you got this. Are you going to fall down and skin your knees? Of course you are, but you got this. I believe that you can take this forward. And it was this released aspect where he said, now go, you got this. We see in scriptures that this idea continued along. Jesus did these these men and he said, therefore go. And then he ended up leaving and these men went forward on their own to carry this message. 
And we see it continue that these men didn't just do this, but then they instigated that, put that into how they built leaders as well too. We see this, that these, these first disciples, that they had men like uh, Barnabas and Paul who came alongside them. They came just a little bit afterwards, right? And that they were part of their group and they were part of growing and being discipled by these men, becoming these disciples. But in Acts 13 too, it says, one day while these men were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, dedicate Barnabas and Paul for the special work to which I've called them. So after more fasting and prayer, the men laid their hands on them and they sent them on their way. They had built this into their discipleship process as well. That then when someone gets to a place where they understand they can be trusted, there comes a day in which God calls them and they place their hands on them and says, now go. You are released to accomplish what it is that God has in your life. Man, we see it over and over and over again. Paul, who was just released in that verse, right, where they prayed for him, they released him. It shows in the scripture then that he took on men like Titus and Timothy that were other pastors who were younger than him and that he even placed them in places in, in ministry to pastor and he would write them letters and, and go back and forth with them. But then he wrote letters where he said, basically, now my life's over. And he says, therefore, go. I'm done. Now you continue and you carry. You're released to accomplish what it is that God has called you to do. Jesus showed that there comes a time in the spiritual growth process on which finally we understand our faith enough. We understand what it is that God has for us. That there comes a time where then we are released to accomplish what it is that God is calling us to be, is calling us to do. A time where the training wheels finally are stripped off. At Acts Church, we believe basically the exact same thing. You remember, if you were here at the beginning, if you weren't, you have to act like you remember, okay? But on week one, I talked about the the first step in our process, which was loved. And if you remember what I was talking about is that many churches, their, their growth track or their discipleship process starts too late, in my opinion that a lot of churches, their, their discipleship process always starts with salvation. But we know that Jesus makes it clear that far before people were ever saved, he was interested in them and he was loving them. And that we believe that the growth track actually starts at loved and then they move to a place of salvation. And that that's vital and very, very important for us to realize in our growth track. Well, I believe the same thing is true on the other side of it. I think that for most churches, their growth track or discipleship process it ends too soon. See, most of them, what they end at is what we would call trusted. They end at the idea that we'll give you opportunities to be able to serve inside of this church. We'll give you opportunities to be able to help. And we'll give you opportunities within this framework. And that's awesome. And that's where we want you to become. That's what we want you to go to. But I think the Bible makes clear that then there comes a time in our faith where we're released to accomplish what it is that God has for us. There's a time in our faith where then, however long the trusted stage might be, that it might be a year, two years, it might be 20 years. But then there comes a time in our life where then God says, now go, and someone says, man, you're released to follow that vision that God has put on your life. It's our belief that Acts Church that every single person, every single person, listen, that means you, every person, has a special calling that God has placed in their life. Do you think God's wasteful? I wouldn't call God wasteful. So I have to believe that every single person who is born, every person, especially when I talk to you, people who have, who have stepped into a position of faith in their life, if our God is not wasteful, there is a reason why you specifically are alive, have a relationship with him. There's something that you are called to do, listen, that no one else in this room can do. 
Every one of you has something that God has given you. And I don't know what it is and when it's going to happen. If it's five years down the road or it's 50. There's something that God has placed on your life. There's a reason why you are who you are. There's a reason why your experiences are what they were. There's a reason why you believe the way you do. And there's something that God's calling to you that no one else is going to be able to accomplish. It's yours and yours alone to accomplish. Your calling. And we believe every person has that. And our goal, our goal as Acts Church isn't simply for you to feel loved, to get a relationship with Jesus Christ, to grow in your faith, and to find a place to serve. But ultimately, our end goal is to see you decipher what it is that God has called you to become and to pray and fast and seek and commission and send you to accomplish whatever that is. To pray over you to believe with you and to say God is sending you to do these things and we send you believing that you can accomplish this ultimate goal that he has put in your life, that you can step out and you can do these things. We hope that we have this ability to see people loved, saved, educated, trusted, and then that someday God gives us the miraculous honor to be those who can take your training wheels off, to get to be able to pull the training wheels off of your faith and be able to say, You believe this. You got this. We believe in you. Therefore, go. Be released to accomplish what it is that God has for your life. Jesus made this really clear. And the second thing he made clear goes right with it, which is so beautiful. And and Jesus, this one's almost mind-blowing. Jesus made clear that greater things lie ahead. That greater things lie ahead. And those Christians people who believe in Christ, who love Jesus, very, very often it's easy for us to think, man, if I could just go back to be one of those disciples, right? Man, getting to walk with Jesus, I mean, wouldn't that just be the pinnacle of faith to get to walk with Jesus and get to hear him teach? I mean, that would be the end all be all. If I could trade places with those disciples to get to walk with him, man, how amazing would that be? But Jesus says that isn't so. Jesus says that that isn't the case. Believe it or not, Jesus, in John 14, 12, he says to his disciples this, I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I've done and even greater works because I'm going to be with my Father. Jesus says that these disciples, basically, he basically says they're, they're, they're jealous of us. They're the ones who are jealous of us on the other side. Of Jesus. And he says, there's greater things coming than even this, than walking with me and hearing my teaching. There's greater things than this coming. That just sounds almost impossible, right? I mean, greater than Jesus? Greater than walking with Jesus? He says it's the case. He says that after his death, we then have victory over death, that sin no longer entraps and contains us. He says that after his death, after his resurrection, his ascension back into heaven, he says that then now we have this priest that sits at the right hand of God and he intervenes for us, that he takes and he mediates our faith to the God of the universe. He says that after he leaves, he would send a counselor known as the Holy Spirit and that the Holy Spirit is the very spirit of God who lives inside of us, directs us, encourages us, empowers us to be able to accomplish things that no one would even think possible. And he says, yes, even greater things. Let me give you a picture of this because I think the disciples, I don't think they believed it either. 
I don't think the disciples did either. I think that even though he says this, they're probably thinking, yeah, right, but I saw you raise dead people. I mean, I saw you heal blind people. How could it ever get better than this? This was it. Acts 1, 9 through 11 says this. After saying this, Jesus, he was taken up into a cloud while they were watching, and they could no longer see him. And as they strained to see him rising into heaven, two white-robed men suddenly stood among them. Men of Galilee, they said, why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. Now listen to this. The disciples were told greater things are going to happen. But we see in the story that when Jesus finally decides that it's time and he's going to ascend, we see the disciples' mindset, don't we? As Jesus goes, it says that they strain to see him, that they watch him and they're still sitting there and that they're, they're straining just to get one more glimpse of Jesus, just one more glimpse of what we had and they're straining as hard as they can. It was that, where was he at? And it says that God sends two angels to stand next to him and basically say, what are you doing staring up into the sky? What are you doing staring back at was, what was before? He said, Jesus is coming back. Get on with it. I mean, so much that God expects that it's it's about the greater things that are coming, that as these men just want one more glimpse of Jesus, he sends two angels to come down and say, come on, get to work. Man, there's stuff to be done. I understand you love Jesus, but Jesus said there's greater things. There's work to be done. And we don't have time to stand here and just try to catch one more glimpse of Jesus. He says, go. I think there's a lot in that when you think about it. He made clear that these men were supposed to move on to do greater things. And we see it only one chapter later. It says this in Acts 2.41. And this is Peter. He decides to preach a sermon to all those who come to hear. And it says, Those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day. Look at that. About 3,000 in all. I I like to think that this is where the, the disciples where Peter finally caught it, right? I like to think that probably after this, he's still probably thinking, man, how could it be greater than this, though? How could it be greater? And probably maybe even as he's preaching, even as he's saying these, these great words and believing for, for great things to happen, that he's thinking, but how could it ever be better? Man, how could it ever be greater than when Jesus was here? And I like to think that maybe at the end of that, when he says, so therefore, anybody who wants to follow what I just said, Stand and come forward, and 3,000 people stand up. I like to think in a moment, then all of a sudden he realized this is what Jesus was talking about. This is what he was talking about, that multitudes were going to react to the message of Jesus after this, that God was going to speak through someone. Man, we just talked last week about Peter, right? Someone who denied Christ only a little while earlier. God would speak through him, and 3,000 would rise and say, We want to follow this man, Jesus, that you're talking about. And amazing. The gospel absolutely exploded after this. We see it, a small group of a few men who begin to to preach this message to a small area in the Middle East, spreading all across the Middle East, spreading all across the globe to now in which it is the dominant religion in the entire globe today. Amazing that this just exploded and and replicated and, and greater things. At Acts Church, we want to see you grow. 
We want to see you get plugged into Acts Church. We want to see you serve here and be able to develop your faith. But just as Jesus said, we believe that there are even greater things ahead. Greater things ahead. I believe that we have a God who is infinitely creative. A God who is not wasteful. And I believe that as as we develop our faith and we tell God, God, we are willing to go, we are willing to serve, we are willing to do everything that you call us to do, that God is not wasteful and he will give you vision and bigger than you can possibly imagine. What happens at Acts Church is amazing. I mean, what happens here on a, a week-to-week basic where, uh, on average, last year, we had somewhere between five and ten visitors every single week. We had someone give their life to Jesus more than every other week, on average. That's amazing. Man, awesome things that we get to see here. But I believe that in the future, the gospel is going to move in ways that are far greater than even us. I believe that as we continue, there are going to be new ways to do church that have never been done before. I believe that the word of God is going to be spread in greater ways than we even thought possible. And it is my hope that you are part of the people, are part of the team that make that a reality. That you are the ones. You are the ones who spread the gospel faster than we ever even imagined. Listen to me on this. You are not made for mediocrity. You are growing for greatness. You are not made for mediocrity, but you are growing, growing for greatness. I've never done this because I'm not much of a preacher, but I'm telling you I want you to do it. Say it to yourselves, okay? Say this. I am not made for mediocrity. I am growing for greatness. You guys need to understand that. There are so many of us who walk with such a crushed down perspective of who we are. With such a, I gave my life to Jesus, and now if only I can survive this world. When in the reality, God says that now you are his son or daughter, that you are a co-heir with Jesus, that you are given power from the Holy Spirit, and that there's vision on your life. And I'm telling you, if you have a relationship with Jesus, you are not made for mediocrity. You are growing in your faith right now for greatness that is to come in your life. He's going to use you in some way that you can't possibly even imagine. I'm telling you, there is greatness on the horizon. Listen to me. There might be a person at Axe Church, who decides that they're going to start helping with Axe Kids. They're going to get help in kids, and they're going to do this. And they realize that they're going to spend the rest of their life teaching children about Jesus. They're going to find their vision. There might be someone who's going to lead a life group, and they, they decide to take this step, and, and they're scared, and they start reading through the Bible, and they start leading other people to look at the Bible. And a, a deep sense of love and respect for God's words grows to such an extent that they decide they're going to spend the rest of their life preaching the word of God to other people and teaching what these words mean in application to our life. There might be someone who decides to run a subgroup, and maybe they do something like they decide they're going to go and help a women's shelter, and they're going to help it out. And they fall in love with that and realize that there are plenty of places in this world that have no such thing as a women's shelter, and they're going to be the one to go and begin these in these environments and start them and grow them to help women. There might be someone who serves on our worship team, 
And they decide that instead of pursuing their own music to glorify themselves, they're going to plug their energy and their creativity into creating words and creating songs and creating things that are going to spark movements in Christianity all across the globe. There might be people who end up helping in some way with our our help missions. And as they start to hear about the fact that the need is so great around the world, that there are so many who have never heard about Jesus, that they decide that instead of living the American dream, that they would rather go and be a missionary in another country to preach to those who've never heard the gospel. There might be someone who gets plugged in to help missions, and they decide that they're going to spend the rest of their lives meeting the needs of those who need the most basic necessities, decide that they're not okay with people dying of not having water and food. And instead, they want to spend their entire life developing ways so those who would normally die are not going to and have a better chance of actually hearing the message of Jesus. There might be someone who participates in our kindness events. And as they help, or maybe as they lead a kindness event, they realize that they love drawing communities together. And that in this community and another, they might create an event that's so amazing that it draws entire communities together and creates unity that was never there before. There might be someone who helps run a weekend service. Maybe they help on a team, or maybe they end up stepping up to actually coordinate a section. And they realize that they love the church so much that they're going to take, and they're going to go and plant another church like Acts in another place, in another city, that needs it just as much as the Illinois Valley needed our church. I'm telling you that there are greater things. You are not meant for mediocrity, but you are growing for greatness. Again, say it to yourself. Say it to yourself. I am not made for mediocrity. I am growing for greatness. That's what God has on your horizon. There are people here who are going to become world changers. I believe that in the next, in the next years, we're going to see the gospel explode in ways that never have before. And I believe that some people in this room might be the ones who take, and they cultivate that, that they're the, the catalyst that starts a movement in another area. Maybe it's another town. Maybe it's another country. Maybe it is right here in another way that explodes in something that, that we never even thought possible. God will reveal it to you someday. And we believe it. And what we say as Acts is we want to be here, that someday when God reveals that plan to you, that we can be here to pray, to fast, to ask God, and then to encourage that, to say, yes, we feel God saying the exact same thing over your life. Man, now go. We want to send you out. I'll tell you this. When we started, it was really hard because very few people believed in us. Very few people believed in our original team to plant Acts Church. I'm telling you that someday when God calls you, when we pray and we say, yes, I promise you that we will send you with confidence instead of fear. I promise you that we'll stand behind you and say that we believe in this vision and we'll pray behind you and we'll keep pushing the same way you will, that we'll talk about your greatness, we'll talk about your wins and that we won't leave you, that we'll stand behind you and consistently be someone who you can come back to and you can throw things back at us and say, what do you think about this? What do you think about this? And we can be here to pray and believe with you for the greatness that God has called you to do. Listen, I and Acts will be glad someday if through you, you accomplish far greater than we ever do. If whatever Acts is called to be as this church, and let me tell you, I know God has great vision for this church. And if someday God calls you, and it's not to be right here. There's some people I think you will probably get called, and it'll be right here to plug in, to do things, to help, to stand next to Acts, and that'll be awesome. But there might be some that get called to go to another place, or they get called to, to do something different. And if someday that is is far more successful than what Acts becomes, we will stand gladly and say, man, 
Praise God. Praise God for what he's doing. We just feel blessed that we were the people who got to be able to take their training wheels off. We got to take the training wheels off. Man. While Jesus was here, he, he moved people through this process. He took people from a place of, of not even understanding who he was. And he loved them. He saved them. He educated them. He trusted them. And he finally put them to a place where he released them to be able to accomplish everything it was that, that God had called them to be. At X Church, we believe the same exact pattern in our growth track, the same thing that Jesus did. And we hope to see every single person in this church loved, saved, educated, trusted, and someday released. We believe that whether you're called to be here or whether you're called to be there, there is a vision that God is putting in your heart. There is some reason why you are who you are. If I can jump back, Matthew 28, which is what I started with, that picture of Jesus, and he says to them, therefore go, right? Therefore go. And like I paired it to that, that picture of the, the father running behind the bike or the mother running behind the bike and finally releasing, releasing the child to go on their own, to, to pedal for their first time on their own. Well, actually, I, I did a bad job interpreting that. Because unlike the mother or father who has to let go and then can no longer be there to catch that child when they fall down, God makes infinitely clear that he lets go, but then he's always there. He's always there when we teeter or totter or fall. The end of verse 20 makes it clear. He says, and be sure of this, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. He says, man, I take my hands off like this, but I never leave you. He says, when I release you someday to accomplish what it is that, that I have for you, I might take my hand off where I say, you got this, but I'm always right here ready to catch you. I'm always right here ready to, to, to save you. When there's something that's going to pull out in front of you and you're going to hit, I'm always there to slow you down and say, easy. But he never leaves us. And I tell you this because th- this, is what, this is what changed my life. What changed my life was believing that God could do something, that God could, could start a church in the Illinois Valley that would be not about religion, but instead would be about Jesus and that it would change people's lives, that it would, it would set them on a track to be able to change the world. And I believed that. But what made it a reality was this. I heard someone say once, if you could do anything for God, if you could do anything for God, and you knew it wouldn't fail, what would you do? Mine was plant a church. I don't know what yours is yet. Maybe he hasn't revealed it to you yet. But if you could do anything for God, and you knew it wouldn't fail, what would you do? Well, God said he's with us always. That he's there. That he's the success. He's the one who makes it become what it's supposed to be. And what this guy said is, he says, if you could do anything for God and you knew you wouldn't fail, what would you do? And he says, then do it, because you'd be a coward not to. The only thing that's stopping you, the only thing that then is stopping you from accomplishing that which you know God is asking you to do, because God's there. He says, I'm not leaving you. I'm right here with you. I'm not forsaking you. He says, I'm, I'm ready to catch you. He says, the only thing that's going to stop you is your own cowardice, your own fear to step out and believe God to accomplish that greatness that he's called you to be. My prayer is that someday, whenever it be, today, years from now, 
when God reveals what it is that you're called to be, that is acts, we can pray for you, believe for you, and that we can send you to accomplish whatever it is that God has called you to do. Wherever you're at in your faith, whether this is week one or this is year 20, I would ask you to get plugged in in one way or another to our growth track. To take this step to say that you're going to become intentional about your faith. That wherever you are, maybe, maybe you say, well, I've been around forever. Step into the growth track. Man, step into the growth track. Maybe you really have been educated. Maybe you need to step in a place of being trusted. That's fine. Maybe this is week one for you. And you say, man, I don't really even know who Jesus is yet. Step into the growth track and say, right now, what I'm here for is to be loved. I need to feel the love of Jesus. Maybe I just need to keep experiencing that in my faith. And maybe this will come to understanding. You just gave your life to Jesus. Man, step on the growth track. Say, I want, I want to become educated. I want to know more about, about who he is. Wherever you are, I ask that you would step into our growth track and you would begin to follow it. Become intentional about your faith. Don't waste years of your life. Don't waste years of your life, okay, just sitting back. But instead, take those steps that you know you can take. Is this going to accomplish everything? Is this growth track the end-all, be-all of of spiritual development? No, not at all. God is going to do miraculous things in your life to grow your faith. But what I'm saying is, 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 what's really good is, is, walking towards God instead of staying and saying, God, come over here and help me. Come over here and help me. Why don't you take a few steps that you know you can take, like our growth track, and say, I'm going to begin walking in this track. I'm going to begin getting myself educated, stepping into places of being trusted. And God, I hope that you would meet me in this, in this track, that you would help me and develop me. That's the power of this. It's not that this is going to do everything, but that instead God is going to use this as a means to change your lives. Become intentional about your faith. I want to pray to end this morning, if you would, just for one second. God, I thank you so much. I thank you so much for these people who are here. And I pray, Jesus Christ, that you would make this understanding of, of, of our growth track, Lord God, of a, a picture that you gave to us, the idea that you moved people from a place of, of no faith to a place of being trusted and even released to be able to accomplish everything that you had for their lives. I pray the same over these people, that they would understand and they would begin to walk through a path to develop their faith. I ask Jesus Christ that whether it be now or it be a few years down the line in your perfect timing, you would reveal what it is you have called these to do. And Lord, I pray that deep in their hearts, you would sink that message that they are not meant for mediocrity, but they are growing for greatness. I pray, Jesus, that you would give them a, a, a real world, a view of who they actually are, that they would see that they are um, conquerors, Lord God, that you've given them power. And I ask Jesus Christ that you would bless us as, as Axis, the leaders and, and people here, that as these people develop what it is that they're called to do, that we can be blessed just to remove the, the wheels, the training wheels off their bike and say, go, now go, take that message. And I just thank you so much, Jesus, for how good you are. It's in Jesus' name we pray for all these things. Amen. Thank you guys so much. Pray God to bless you. Go out and change the world.